Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas history podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wise, and I want to thank you for loving Texas history and tuning into this episode. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. This episode is being released in 2017 on the Monday following Thanksgiving. It's fall in Texas, and that means football, hunting season, and hopefully a cold front every now and then. Uh, football's a little bit of a touchy subject right now. Uh, Long-time listeners of this show know I attended Texas A&M University, so we're in a little bit of turmoil. Uh, but nevertheless, football season is uh, definitely a religious experience in Texas, and I hope your favorite team is doing very well. Um, since the last episode, I had a bit of a big event here at Wise About Texas World Headquarters. I turned 50 years old, uh, had a lot of fun celebrating with family and friends, and uh, enjoying all the trappings that come with 50, you know, sore knees, a slower golf swing, but uh, certainly I'm glad I've made it this far and hopefully have a few more good years to talk about some Texas history. One of the trips I took since the last episode uh, was a return trip to a ranch in Big Bend that belongs to some friends of mine. And uh, we went out there for a dove hunt, but a cold front had blown in the day before. And when I'm cold, I mean it was 34 degrees in the morning. And uh, the dove went out with the cold front. So we did a lot of riding around the ranch, uh, a lot of sitting by the fire and eating and drinking in the beautiful Big Bend area, which uh, everyone concerned believed resulted in a hugely successful trip, even though not a shot was fired. Some of the best hunting trips are like that sometimes. But the ranch we were on gave me the idea for this episode. Uh, The Great Comanche War Trail runs right across what is in essence the front driveway of this particular ranch. So today today I'm going to talk about the Great Comanche War Trail, which is um, a road or actually a series of roads that has been in use for several hundred years and over the course of Texas history has played a large role. So let's go back to almost prehistory and get wise about Texas. Now, when I say prehistory, I mean prehistory. Back in anywhere from 5,000 to 11,000 BC, we had uh, primitive hunters and gatherers that crossed the land bridge from Asia and moved into the North American continent. The descendant, the American Indians, descended from those people. There was a tribe in the Wyoming area called the Shoshone. And from the Shoshone branched off a group that called themselves Nermina, which is uh, spelled N-E-R-M-E-R-N-U-H, which means in Shoshone, the people or people. And uh, they were uh, primitive hunters and gatherers. There was no agriculture. um, And they just lived and got by as best they could until... The 1500s. In the 1500s, the Spanish explorers in North America introduced an animal that would change the course of history in the western United States, and that was the horse. Well, the horses uh, mixed in with the wild mustangs and the nomina, or the people, discovered the horse. Now, if you study the history of the Comanches, uh, they were not the most prosperous of the Plains Indians tribes. In fact, they were quite poor. But once they learned how to ride a horse, 
they became unmatched uh, as one of the top light cavalry forces in the world. The horse enabled the nomadic Comanches to travel great distances in a short period of time. It allowed hunting parties to uh, hunt greater distances and more quickly. It enabled them to kill the buffalo more efficiently. It enabled them to raid uh, much, much further than they ever had before. I, I used the word Comanche a minute ago. Let me mention something about the word. Um, the word comes from perhaps the Utes, maybe the Shoshone, depends on what accounts you read. Uh, they had a word to begin with K that was pronounced, I think, Comanche, which meant enemy or foreigner. And uh, that was translated loosely by the Spanish and later the Texans into Comanche. So that's how that name came about. Well, the Comanches uh, became expert horsemen. Uh, they traded horses with um, the people in Louisiana, which is not uh, a fact that's very well known. And we'll talk about uh, that story later. Remember, let me digress for a second and tell you, I, I said a couple of episodes ago that I wanted to, I didn't want to try to cover these huge stories like the story of the Comanches in one episode. I want to tell the story through a series of smaller events or episodes. So today we're going to talk about their war trail. And I mentioned the, the horse trading that they did before Texas was settled. We'll do an episode on that in the future. But uh, the Comanches were very, very warlike. And if you read some books on the tribe and the history of the tribe, at least as far as it can be determined, uh, they really almost had a chip on their shoulder. They were very, very warlike. Now, the, the idea of territory back in those primitive times before Texas was settled, the idea of territory among the Indians was a very, very different notion than we talk about today. Uh, you hear a lot of people arguing about who took whose land, etc. Well, land ownership was not something that the Comanches would have ever even understood as a concept. What they did understand, however, was trying to survive. And to do so, um, they needed to kill their enemy because their enemy, um, which for the Comanches was pretty much everyone else, um, was competing for food and, um, and resources. So they were extremely warlike and they believed, um, they, they thought nothing of just torturing and killing their enemy. They expected uh, themselves to be tortured and killed were they captured, which made them very fierce warriors. And the addition of the horse and their expertise on the horse, which was unmatched, uh, made them took them from a relatively poor tribe to an extremely dangerous nation. Well, the uh, tradition of the Comanche was they lived on the plains in the summer, north of the Llano Estacado, into uh, areas that would have been Colorado, Wyoming. Uh, the Shoshone were, were located in Wyoming, from whom the Comanches descended. So they would live in those areas, in Nebraska, eastern Colorado, probably parts of Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, etc. In the fall, as the buffalo migrated, they would follow the buffalo and they would raid all the way into Mexico, fairly deep into Mexico. And to do so, they developed a system of trails that we now call the Great Comanche war trail. And beginning in the fall, probably around September, they would descend this trail, raiding and fighting along the way, all the way 
deep into Mexico. They would steal horses. They would take captives, uh, which had a very practical purpose to increase the size of the tribe. And they would steal cattle, horses, and whatever else, and return north up the same trail to their uh, grounds on the plains. And this would happen every year. Um, It was frequent practice to raid under the light of the full moon where visibility was better. So uh, that's how a full moon, especially in the fall, came to be known as a Comanche moon. As they descended down into Texas, they had one problem, and that was the Apaches. And the Apaches and the Comanche were enemies. Uh, Pretty much everyone in the Comanche were enemies, but the Apaches were very fierce warriors and created a lot of problems for the Comanches, and the Comanches would try their best to avoid them. Um, At the same time, in the 1700s and later, we had the Spanish expansion to the north. They started to explore Texas. We've talked about the mission systems and their attempts to settle Texas, etc. So the Comanches uh, had a pretty good idea to make a treaty with the Spanish, which they did. And uh, the Spanish, of course, viewed it as an opportunity to trade with the indigenous people, the Comanche, of course, viewed it as an opportunity to enlist Spanish aid in fighting uh, the Apache, uh, which was successful. The Apaches were beat back, and uh, now the Great Comanche War Trail was open for the Comanches to raid all the way into Mexico, which is exactly what they did, much to the chagrin of the Spanish. Well, let's talk a little bit about the actual trail and uh, where it ran. The Comanches lived uh, up on the plains. They would descend down into Texas, and there were really two branches uh, that came together about where Big Spring, Texas, is located today. The western branch ran from near Fort Sumner um, down in the vicinity of Lubbock and along the Double Mountain Fork of the Brazos River. Um, The present towns that... uh, Occupy spots near this branch of the trail would be Abernathy and Littlefield. Uh, the other fork, the eastern fork, running into uh, Oklahoma and parts of Colorado and Kansas, uh, would come down more through uh, Plainview. Uh, but they converged at Big Spring. From Big Spring, it ran south through uh, Odessa, it crossed the Pecos River at a very famous crossing called Horsehead Crossing, and I'm going to talk about these locations in a second. And then it went to uh, a spot that was known for years and years as Comanche Springs. That was such a busy area for travel that uh, the Army built a fort there, it's Fort Stockton. Of course, the town grew up around it and still exists as the town of Fort Stockton. That was the old Comanche Springs. And uh, without fail, the Comanches would stop there on the way down and on the way back. From Comanche Springs, the trail would branched again with uh, the main branch running through the Persimmon Gap, which is now in the Big Bend National Park, and down to around the Boquillas crossing of the Rio Grande and into Mexico. And the other one went a little bit east of there, Presidio um, in Las Moras Springs and down into Mexico that way, the state of Tamaulipas would have been uh, where that trail ran. So it was really uh, two branches coming together for a time and then branching back off. And as I mentioned, it was uh, really a series of trails. But 
the trail was used so much by such large groups that it was beaten down and very obvious where it existed. And it was said at places to be more than a mile wide. Uh, One technique that the Comanches would use to escape after a raid would be to set fire to the prairie and the brush behind them to make pursuit more difficult. It would mask, the smoke would mask their leaving and of course would slow anyone down and they had to go around the fire. And as they did that, uh, that also helped to create this obvious uh, trail that they would use over and over again. But odds are this uh, trail would have been used uh, before these great Comanche raids following the the pushing back of the Apaches. Uh, Cabeza de Vaca was in Texas in 1535, and uh, it's likely that he would have used part of this trail and a couple of different expeditions by the Spanish in the 1580s uh, would have uh, probably seen portions of this road. So I think it had been in, uh, in use a long time before it really got to be known as the Comanche War Trail because uh, the Comanches couldn't easily raid uh, that deep into Mexico, at least until after that treaty. That treaty, by the way, was uh, 1786 when the Comanches and the Spanish government allied against the Apache. Um, and, and something interesting I found, there was a, uh, a bounty. Uh, if if uh, Comanche would capture an Apache and bring the Apache to Santa Fe, the, the Spanish in New Mexico would give the Comanches a horse and a bridle and a knife, or maybe two knives, in exchange for that captive. So that was a pretty effective way to open up uh, a raiding route for the Comanches, which they took full advantage of. Let me tell you about a couple of spots of importance along the trail. Uh, Big Spring, Texas sits, uh, is named appropriately for, for the springs that were located there and was a popular watering spot for the, for the uh, raiding parties as they would come down from the plains. So they would inevitably stop near Big Spring the uh, one of the last Indian attacks in Texas occurred. Uh, there was an Indian hunting party um, off the reservation in 1881 that attacked some railroad workers uh, near Big Spring. So even as late as 1881, uh, that well-known trail uh, was being Comanche War Trail was being used. Probably one of the most important spots on the trail though was Comanche Springs, uh, located where. Fort Stockton is now. Uh, the, Com- the Comanche Springs uh, were so prominent, they, they may have actually been visited by Cabeza de Vaca, as I mentioned earlier. Um, we know that in 1684, a Spanish ep- expedition of an explorer named Mendoza, I think it was Juan Mendoza, uh, we talked a little bit about him in the Thanksgiving bonus episode last year, but he camped near Comanche Springs. Um, it was a remarkable geologic feature and, as I mentioned earlier, was a sort of a center of commerce. Everyone knew about it. So anyone traveling in that remote area of Texas would have stopped. As Texas became more settled in, in the California gold rush started in 1849, uh, the people traveling to California used the Comanche Springs, the Overland Stagecoach, the Butterfield Mail Stagecoach, 
had a stop at Comanche Springs. Um, as Fort Stockton was built to try to protect the travelers against the raids, uh, it was built at the springs because you knew uh, that you were going to be able to to catch any of the raiding Indians at the springs. Um, the springs would provide water for the fort and later for the town, and uh, was also used to irrigate the land around it. Um, so the springs no longer flow, uh, but for a long time they were a very prominent feature on the Comanche War Trail. Another important place on the trail was the Horsehead Crossing of the Pecos River. And it was named the Horsehead Crossing by uh, a gentleman named John Bartlett. And he was a surveyor, and he was trying to survey the Mexican-U.S. boundary in 1850 after the the, uh, Mexican War. And he found the crossing on the Pecos, and the crossing had been marked by leaving horse skulls in the the bushes uh, by the crossing to show where it was. So they named it the Horsehead Crossing. Uh, The Butterfield Stage also used the Horsehead Crossing. And even the later, the Goodnight Loving Trail, one of the most famous cattle driving trails of that era, established by Charles Goodnight and Oliver Loving, about 18, in the 1860s, late 1860s, uh, they drove cattle across the Horsehead Crossing. So it, it was a very prominent uh, spot to cross the Pecos. There aren't a whole lot of real good places to cross the Pecos. And so much like Comanche Springs, um, everyone would have used it, uh, including the Comanches raiding down the Great War Trail. Now I mentioned that it went into Big Bend and uh, that I was on a ranch down there where the trail ran. And the ranch is right near an area called Persimmon Gap. There is a Persimmon Gap Visitor Center in the park. And U.S. Highway 385 from Marathon, Texas into Big Bend runs roughly down the Comanche War Trail. So as do many roads in the state. Um, And that's a real good place to get a feel for what it must have been like because Big Bend is is probably one of the most unspoiled uh, areas of settled Texas. And uh, I use the term settled loosely because it is a wild country and just some of the most gorgeous country you'll ever lay eyes on, uh, but it's also very harsh. So um, if you really want to get a feel for that trail, head down uh, Highway 385 into Big Bend at the Persimmon Gap Visitor Center, uh, and you will be on the Great Comanche War Trail. Um, it would have been an important back in back in the day, so to speak, uh, to have a well-marked and, and reliable trail. Everyone would have known where the water was, where to cross the river, and they would have passed that down through the generations, and they would have used that trail over and over and over. Um, and as I mentioned, that's why at places it was a clearly marked, beaten-down area up to a mile wide. So every fall when the moon turned full, you can imagine the thousands of horse hooves coming down from the plains, the raiders in their war paint, the women and children of the t- tribe following behind, raiding from Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, all the way deep into Mexico and heading back with the horses and cattle and captives. And all was done on the great Comanche War Trail. And now we come to the part of the episode called Getting There, where I will tell you where to go see some spots 
on the Great Comanche War Trail, and I'm going to reference a few historical markers. First, there's a marker in Big Spring State Park in Big Spring, and it is, um, I'm going to give you the marker number because if you get on the internet, you can look up marker numbers through the Texas Historical Commission, and you can find maps to these historical markers. So if you're in Big Spring, look for marker number 12670, and it uh, is on Park Road 8 uh, in the Big Spring State Park, and it talks about the Comanche War Trail, um, and that marker sits on what was part of the trail. There's a marker in Odessa, and uh, the marker in Odessa is on the access road of the Interstate 20 business east of Loop 338. And that marker is about 20 miles northwest of the actual trail. And it mentions the trail, but um, the trail would have been southeast of the actual town of Odessa. Now, Comanche Springs, of course, uh, merits a historical marker, and it has one. And at the entrance to Rooney Park in Fort Stockton, Texas, on a, a street called Spring Drive, there is a historical marker about the springs and uh, sitting on the side of the Comanche Springs. So you can go there and see in Fort Stockton and be located at one of the most historic sites going back hundreds and hundreds of years in Texas. The Horsehead Crossing of the Pecos also has a historical marker, and it's in the town of Girvin, G-I-R-V-I-N, and uh it's actually near the town of Gervin. It's about 11 miles outside of town. If you go on Farm to Market Road 11, for about 11 miles outside of Gervin, there's a county road, and I don't know the number, I'm sorry, but you can get on a map. There are not that many roads out there, and you'll see it. About four miles no north on that county road is the marker. And let me give you this marker number. It's 2564, and that marks the Horsehead Crossing of the Pecos River. It's a centennial marker, so it's not a black historical marker. It's one of those gray historical markers. And I'll try to put some uh, pictures up on the website. Uh, but those are, and then uh, I mentioned this earlier, kind of jumped ahead, but if you go to the Persimmon Gap Visitor Center at Big Bend, go to Marathon, Texas, uh, drive south on 385. You'll be driving down the Great Comanche Trail. You'll see what they would have seen hundreds of years ago the same mountains on the right, the same mountains on the left. You'll see, um, you go down about 35 mile, a little bit further than that, maybe 40 miles uh, to the Persimmon Gap Visitor Center. That trail, the Great Comanche Trail, went right through Persimmon Gap. So you will be uh, riding the actual trail. And I, I got to tell you, that's probably the best place to really put yourself in uh, a scene that would have existed when the Comanches ruled the plains. Well, that wraps up another episode of Wise About Texas. I really, really appreciate all the feedback I'm getting on this podcast. I've been spending some time giving some speeches around the state. Uh, if you need a speaker on Texas history, please uh, get in touch with me at host at wiseabouttexas.com. I do it for free, and uh, I love to do it. It's a lot of fun, so I'd love to visit your group. Follow us on the Wise About Texas Facebook page. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Wise About Texas. And if you get a minute, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, ratings and reviews help other podcast listeners find the show. 
So I hope everyone uh, is having a great fall. I hope you'll go out and do something good for Texas this week. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.